and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back to talk about Fantasy High. Um, so we touched on it a bit in the prescription, as we always do. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's D&D video content. Elliot, why don't you take us through the plot? Yeah, um... So actually, I'll start the plot summary here um, by just quickly mentioning, so Fantasy High is actually like season one of Dimension 20, which is the sort of college humor dropout, whatever the, the video service thing's called. It's like their, their you know, live role play show. Um, yeah. So it's currently in season five. So this is just season one. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so, so season five is currently going. I think season four actually featured uh, the four McElroy boys, um, which is yes. interesting. Yes, it did. Um, I haven't seen that. I've only seen Fantasy High, but I'm sure I will love the others as well. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, anyway, so yes, uh, back to the actual plot summary of Fantasy High, uh, season one. So it, it's D and D. Um, so you know, you've got your elves and your orcs and your your tieflings, um, which is totally something I knew about before this. Um, <laughs> you've played D and D. You should know I, what a tiefling played, is. Well, I played one D and D session with you like six years ago. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure tieflings were in there. <laughs> yeah, All right, I don't remember the God. one shot from six years ago. Um, well, that's not my fault. But uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, this is this is that, but it's set in um like a modern american high school type deal Uh, i think explicitly something brennan mentions in one of the it's probably the first episode is that this is like what if john hughes uh did dnd which i thought was a very a very fun (laughs) premise we say it's a modern american high school but really what it is is an american high school movie (laughs) yeah and it revels in the tropes that it plays with yeah i mean like the first episode is like you know they they say oh we're inspired by john hughes does dnt the first episode is pretty much just the breakfast club yes they um, meet in <laughs> detention and then become best friends like yeah it totally is uh so yeah um and so yeah i guess to, to sort of jump into it all um so brennan lee mulligan uh who we mentioned before is the dm mm-hmm. um and we'll we'll focus in on him in a bit but to to cover the the plot summary uh we have six characters who have all just started at uh egg fort adventuring academy um mm-hmm. which is a, a school about adventuring um i mean I, i'll quickly go through the first six characters but honestly this is basically just me recounting what happens in the first 45 minutes of the first yeah. episode the first uh, 45 minutes is basically each character gets their own like five to ten minute yeah scene establishing them and then they meet and that's basically it and uh, look no shade elliot but i don't think we're going to be able to do as good of a job no. summing up the characters as that episode does so no, just th- go watch it like it's a great show yeah wait wait i think that's the thing these little opening bits are actually masterful writing slash playing They're like genuinely you can, so good like you can tell i think that part of the session zeros that happened you know off screen so to speak were probably them readying these little bits yeah, because totally. they're like Brennan and each person comes into such a clear idea of what they're going to be doing in this first five to 10 minutes. And I think the other fun part of it is clearly none of the other five players have any fucking idea what's happening. So they're all experiencing it with you. And I think that's part of the the fun of these like, you know, live action role-playing things is watching the other players or, you know, it, it's kind of like you're getting to watch semi-scripted content and also experience it with other people like half the the people in 
the show are experiencing it alongside you and and that was really highlighted to me in these first intro parts yeah i mean i i would agree with you that they did some extensive prep work the one piece of evidence that goes against that though is that the rest of the series is also really really good and they couldn't have prepped every single episode <laughs> so clearly they're just to some extent they're just that good at playing these characters yeah for sure um i actually yeah i'll get into that into a bit in a bit so yeah okay so just to finish the sort of plot summary um i won't should, I, should we go through who the six are just in let's case let's go through the six i think it's worth it yeah and we'll, it'll help us dive into them um, later so i'm gonna go clockwise starting from the left um which is something well it makes sense if you've already seen it so you don't need this <laughs> i don't know why i said that uh so the first character is fig this is all just their like short names they've got like mm -hmm. you know long dungeons and dragony bullshit names yeah. um fig is a tiefling so she's a half orc and basically she sorry half demon and mm -hmm. she's just found out that she's half demon. So they thought she was an elf. And then it turns out her mum had cheated. And so she's half demon. So she's going through this like rebellious punk phase and is obsessed with finding out which demon is her dad. Yes. Um, uh, so that's sort of very fun because she plays right in. Like all of these sort of play into a high school trope from, from the American high school movies that we were talking yeah. about. So she is like, you know, the, the teenager who's going through a massive punk rebellious phase. Like she's, she's a bard but she's like you know it's because she wants to be rock and roll like she's not you know yeah. the bards you see in the witcher she's she's like yes a, exactly she's trying to be like a she's playing into the whole like rock and roll punk trope yeah in a very her, fun her uh instrument of choice is an electric guitar right yeah exactly um then we have gorgug who is this like half orc that's raised by was raised by gnomes mm. again doesn't quite know who his father is um but he's this fun play on like he was raised by like gnomes are very peacenik in in this in this world and as yeah. a half orc he has like rage issues so he's kind of this wimpy nerd who rages out and and sort of turns into a beast um which is a very fun sort of play on on some of the nerd cliches yeah 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 he's they're all so good i i can't i'm not going to just comment on this for every single yes. one but they're all just so so good i actually like went to label which one was my favorite and it I was know, just a straight up six-way tie i just can't and yeah. i know people always say that sort of thing but like i genuinely mean it there's maybe they're all so good for such different reasons maybe Kristen is my favorite but that's if i'm really pushed mm. um Anyway, so so the next the next character we have is Adine, uh, who's like this elf, and her family are very like uptight, type A, high achievers, yeah. uh, but she's prone to panic attacks. So she's actually like kind of failed out of the private school she was meant to be going to, and is now going <laughs> yes. to like public school with the commoners. Um, and uh, I mean, this is absolutely all helped by um, I, f I forget the name of the of the woman who plays her, but she's got a British accent and. It, around all these other american uh, accents Siobhan. i don't know her surname um, um yes yeah but like siobhan's british accent just mixed in with all the american accent accents makes her kind of sound posh <laughs> yes exactly um, she just like clearly stands out anyway yeah, exactly like so yeah. it, it's it's very fun um then fabian seacaster is the son of this like famous pirate who has kind of set up shop no, as a elliot privateer privateer please. sorry sorry um and so he's basically set up shop now as like a legitimate businessman slash just general rich person um and so like fabian is this like boy who gets a lot of pressure to be like his father um and is just kind of 
like that mixture of spoilt and insecure in a very yes. fun way. Yep. Um, so the character who I think is probably my favorite, if, if I forced to pick one, is Kristen yep. Applebee's. Um, I, I don't remember like any of the other surnames except for Applebee's and Seacaster because they were so ridiculous. Um, so Kristen Applebee's is like this. Her family is very religious for this corn god that's that's really big. They're kind of uh, Bible Belt style yes. Americans, right? Like, yeah, that's, the oh, vibe. that's absolutely what they're going for. Um, yes, and Kristen is is like so she's like this sort of church camp kid, but her, like the D and D sort of fantasy spin on it is she was actually chosen by this god, so that she is a cleric in- of yeah. of this god now. Yeah, so it relates to in game abilities and also adds this fun twist to her character stuff because it's like she has actually communicated with with God and that adds a fun dynamic to her being like a particularly special one of these church camp kids. Yes, because um, she's just like straight up chosen. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last character is just called the Ball. Mm, um, I mean, Riz Gorgak is his name, but yeah, <laughs> the Ball. Yeah. Uh, you'll get that joke if you watch it. And yeah. uh, he's basically like a goblin Veronica Mars. Yeah, I don't really think true. I need. To, I don't think I need to go into more than that. He's the one who tries to keep the plot moving. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I'm not going to go through the plot summary of all the actual episodes. I don't think because like. It's it's a live action role playing thing. I think you just kind of got to experience it. Yeah, as the it loose goes. the loose plot is there have been strange things happening around the school, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, who's involved, and put a stop to it. Basically, yes, their breakfast club meet up at the end of episode one gets them embroiled in this sort of conspiracy within the school um, that involves like you know magical Dungeons and Dragons shit. Yeah, um, and I think that's all you really need to know. Like from there, it's just them doing weird things yeah um, i should say we're not being dismissive of the plot i'm actually no. surprised by how compelling i find this overall plot like even though a lot of it is trope heavy this is this game is satirical and so it plays yeah. into these this weird blend of john hughes and like traditional D plot <laughs> tropes and it works them so so beautifully yeah yeah i agree like yeah i i me skipping over it should not be read as me not thinking it's great it's me thinking that the best way to experience it is yes through experiencing we, it. we don't want to sully it basically by just <laughs> yeah. saying it out loud because it just you just need to experience it um yeah uh, so, like, something I, I wanted to bring up now that we've just sort of gone over the characters is is something that came into my head as I, I think I was about four or five episodes in, which is so much of the out-of-character banter was relating to what I felt like the characters would say. I wonder how much yeah. these fantasy high characters are just kind of, you know, exaggerations of of these six players. Yeah. Um. Like, it reminds me of uh, one time I was watching, like, a behind-the-scenes thing for Parks and Rec, and I think it was Amy Poehler was saying, like, part of the magic of Parks and Rec was basically every character was playing, uh, like, an exaggerated caricature of themselves. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, like, Ron Swanson is is just, like, a, an exaggerated Nick Offerman. Um, yeah, totally. She's an exaggerated Leslie Nope. Like, so that, and I kind of got that vibe watching these six play this game, is there were very true aspects of their real selves in each of their characters and that allowed yeah. the characters to shine stronger i wonder whether that's true for all of them because i've seen some of the other stuff that some of the the college humor stuff has put out and uh for example Kristen applebee's and uh and gorgug 
I don't think they're <laughs> super like their characters. But then for for maybe for Adine or for Fabian or Riz, they are. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I whether it's the fact that they're playing uh, amplified versions of themselves or not. The f- the fact just is they are so so good at these characters. Their yeah. the characters are so consistent and so consistently interacting with the story in ways that both progress it but also take it in such interesting directions that it's <laughs> it's it's like a masterclass of watching how to create good entertainment, how to act a fun character, how to play D&D, all of these things just rolled into one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um like I think Fabian was the one who first made me have this theory just Yeah. I, I, like this is probably a silly thing to latch onto but like Lou Wilson who plays Fabian. Yeah. Um I thought he was doing this very posh character voice and then he started talking out of character and I realized it's just a slightly exaggerated version <laughs> of his of his real accent. Yeah. Um and then uh I th- I emily axford i think is the is the woman who plays fig yes and it's like even out of character she's the one who's like trying to cause chaos yeah and, she's and chaotic <laughs> yeah totally and, and so this is just what made me think of this idea of like i think all of them have put a piece of their real selves into their yes. characters um but yeah um I, I guess i guess another thing i wanted to talk about and you've already started to touch on this like like the just how good the story and the comedy is mm. um and so just to you know we've obviously we we talked about the adventure zone and the prescription and we've talked about yeah. it on the show so the the comparison has to sort of come up i think it's yes point. i think um, i think it must and we've already talked about the macros as well yeah fair fair <laughs> um like I, I think i've often bemoaned both on this podcast and just outside of it about like how the adventure zone kind of left the good funny days in early balance mm. and i didn't enjoy the second half of it that much and i think watching this has clarified what i dislike about the event the rest of the adventure zone a bit more clearly now um i think like in the adventure zone it's always felt to me like the comedy and the story are at odds mm. um yeah like the 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 way the mcelroy's structure their story it's to hit very genuine emotional beats Yes, that are in direct conflict with the comedy, and yeah, they, they said not up- not necessarily in conflict, but just don't. The comedy never relates to them as much. Like you have mm. a, a scene that's quite funny of the characters doing something, and then it's okay. Let's move it on. Let's let's get to the next thing, which is the actual part of the story. You know, or let's get focused again back to the story. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's kind of fine, but it they don't work together, right? No, exactly. And so that's why, you know, I, I'm one of these people who's like the first half of the balance arc was good because it's funny and I hate when they did the story. And then you see other people who are like, oh, it just gets better in the second half. Mm. Um, and it's because like you you have to like one more than the other, um, I think, because only one of them can really shine at a time. Yep. Whereas this, and, and the reason that Fantasy High made that clear to me is because it excels at doing both simultaneously yes. uh, to such an uh, incredible degree. Yeah, it's genuinely crazy how well the story that is being told adapts to the comedy beats that the players throw in to fuck with with <laughs> Brennan Lee Mulligan, right? Yeah. Well, just um sorry, yeah, so we've entered a weird situation here where where Ruben wasn't super far into this when he recommended it, which is like fine, I've done that before as well. Yeah. Um 
I, I've ended up watching more of it than Ruben, though. I, yeah, I somehow you binged managed... it hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I somehow managed to overtake you. So I've got a you reference did. here to a scene I don't know if you've seen yet, but you should I think be... I'm right before the scene that I'm yes, seeing okay. this note. So maybe so, we shouldn't touch on it. So I've, I've seen up to the end of the first half of yeah this season it, it's a very generic like what's i'm not going to go into any details i'll just say like uh so episode eight ends with with um this, this demon dad sort of showing up and the scene at the start of episode nine where the six of them take him to an ice cream parlor mm. it, and this is like so this is the opening of episode nine it's right we're up to it's just it's fucking hilarious, yeah. But also pushes the story forward in a very important way, and in a way that you just don't see in the adventure zone. Yeah, I um, think I have a good example that that is in in episode eight. I think um, a- another example of this, which is uh, something that happens throughout episode seven and eight, is the kids try to offer jobs at the school to people that they meet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they meet a werewolf who seems down in his luck, and one of them says, "Oh, some positions have just opened up at the school." You should apply there. And then uh, a theme that's been running through Fig's life is who she previously thought was her biological father is not her biological father. And so she's got this very strange, strained relationship with this with this man. And we get these beats of her trying to kind of rekindle this relationship and apologize a bit to him for being so shitty to him Um when it wasn't his fault that that her mother cheated on him, right? And, yeah. and it's this very emotionally compelling thing that ties into this comedy beat of they've been offering jobs at the school and so she talks to him to get a job at the school <laughs> and he tries, but it's already been taken by the werewolf, so he ends up being the new lunch lady. And it's this ridiculous chain of comedic events that also plays into this genuine character moment of Fig trying to repair her relationship with her uh, adopted father, I, I guess yeah. to call him, um, that is Step, genuinely- Stepfather. Stepfather, yes. Which is genuinely emotionally compelling and uh, like good emotional drama tied into this weird character comedy <laughs> yeah. beat. And it's it it toes this line so perfectly. It's bizarre how well it manages to do it. It's It, it really is incredible. Yeah, like, like I- I don't know if I can get much more like analytical than that. Like I, I want to dive into it more, but I was too busy just watching it because I was having yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the way and you know, like these are like seven because because you've got Brennan as well as the six yes. players. This is seven writers slash performers in, yes. for for a comedy website. So it kind of makes sense that they'd have good practiced instincts for this stuff. Um. But it is just amazing how well the story as you said manages to still touch on these emotional beats while being just funny as shit like yeah. the idea that um like the whole thing about how uh, now figs down on down on his like dad's gonna be like the lunch lad and yeah. they're all like oh lunch lad i don't know about that and it's like you know i'm laughing at it while at the same time feeling good for what's happening between fig and her dad um it's it's really yeah it's really well done um, yeah and, and the the adaptation as well like the the fact that to a degree, this is all being improved. But I think I think what this story and uh, what Brennan Lee Mulligan in particular is really good at doing is setting himself up with, you know, like chips that are all going to fall in ways that he can work with. Yes, I, I mean we should touch on the fact that similar, like something that I actually really respect about this show is 
they will just fucking go for it with the dice rolls. Like, <laughs> yeah. a dice roll will genuinely determine the outcome of some really important story-based shit, right? Mm. And they just fucking flow with it. And it's so great. Like, it's so it's so incredible knowing if someone rolls a one here, a character could die. And that's yeah. something that they are fully prepared to deal with. Like, yeah, that's there's... something that will just happen in the story. And it makes it so suspenseful. Well, so, like, there's that one roll, I think it's in episode six, mm. uh, where Adyne basically rolls as to whether or not she becomes a werewolf. Yes. And and that, that roll goes that goes one way that I'm not even going to say here because you should just go and watch it. Yes. Um, but it's kind of like, if you think about how the story would be different if that role had gone the other way, like... It's kind of insane. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, I think I think what they've done is is like they've crafted a world and, and Brennan just has such a good idea of what's going on. I totally trust in their ability to, no matter how the dice go, Brennan's going to have an idea of kind of like multiple options of where he can slot this thing. Yeah. I've So I've obviously DM'd before and, you know, I, I've had these situations where I've planned things out in my head and I have to kind of let players have agency to explore something, but... I have to kind of make sure it goes along the right path. And mm. honestly, this is such an instructional thing of like, there's so much interest to be found in letting dice rolls be what they are, be random. Because I know I've fudged roll. I've fudged a role for my character to not become like a character to not become a werewolf before that exact yeah. situation. But looking at this, I know I have so much faith that like, it will be so intense if she becomes a werewolf, but I also just trust it will be, an incredibly compelling experience right yeah well, it I, reminds I, me of um you know the, there's that often talked about thing with writing where you have sort of two right two types of writers you have yeah. um oh, i forget I, I forget the exact thing i shouldn't have brought it up um but it's like you know <laughs> you have the ones who plan everything out and then they yeah. sort of write out the story after they have a plan of the whole thing whereas then you have authors who are more gardeners and like um you know george r, r. martin and, and wild Bo have both described themselves as being this kind of author where yep. they have a vague end goal in mind, um, you know, some, some specific beats they want to hit at the end, but all they really do is plant a bunch of seeds and write the story as it comes to them. Yeah, and let the characters behave in a way that is realistic and compelling yes. and, and find their way to the end. And, and yeah, they totally. just, yeah, they, they just try to steer things towards that end point, but they kind of let the story and the characters grow naturally. And yeah. I feel like that's the difference you see from Brennan Lee Mulligan here. He... Like, I, I think that's what he's doing a very good job of is he's just planting seeds everywhere in ways that he can shape the plants depending on how the dice rolls and, and what the characters do. Like these these two positions in the high school, they go to two specific characters. I reckon there are probably four or five other characters he easily could have been like, yep, that's that yeah, person. Totally. He... And it would play into the plot in a very active way. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he's set up scenarios where no matter which way the dice roll, he's somewhat prepared for it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about one specific part, which is at the end of episode two. And I, I'm just going to just take a brief moment to plead with you as the audience. If you haven't watched this show, please, the moment I'm about to describe is so much better if you watch it. So just please, please go and do that. Just for the yeah. first two episodes, it's not even that much. Stop it right now. Yeah. You, I mean, you know what I'm about, about to talk about right, Elliot? And it, yeah. the fact that it is a surprise makes it so, so powerful. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... It, I was laughing for so long after this yeah. went down, and it's not even a funny moment. No, it's just... <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to describe it now, but I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. Um, 
it's the, and please go away if you haven't watched it. <laughs> just go away, go away. Um, basically, in the second episode, they they go through combat and the party is very overconfident and. Two of the party members die in the second episode. And I had the same reaction. A friend recommended this to me. And during episode two, I was frantically messaging them like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And you did the exact same thing to me. I did, yeah. Um, these characters genuinely die. And what happens is, I think the best example of how Brennan Lee Mulligan is an expert at DMing and making stakes feel real while still guiding the players through the story Uh he basically has the principal of the school come in and shoot himself in the head as a, as a sacrifice to bring these characters... Oh, sorry. Shoot himself and another character in the head yeah. as a sacrifice to bring these characters back to life. And it's, it's like, a master, again, a masterclass in how to make stakes real while not having while making it so that your characters don't just die and that's the end of their story. Yeah, because right? getting those characters back was absolutely not free. Eggfort no. and this other and, and Mr. Gibbons dying is uh, just yes. It's it's Eggfort, <laughs> the founder of the school, and you just feel the impact of it, and you know, like that they have just lost a valuable resource in this game. Possibly the only person that they knew was not evil in this school yeah. has just died, and and it's insane. And then we have these like afterlife visions and they experience these powerful consequences because they've just gone to the afterlife as characters have come back like it's genuinely incredible heaven i'm sorry to just start quoting jokes but the idea that that was orc heaven was such a great, <laughs> well was it orc heaven moment. or just like the orc afterlife i don't know yeah, yeah anyway. um, but sorry. yeah it's <laughs> no but it's so like it's so it's so perfectly sums up why i think this show works so well is because the characters and the dm are so good at adapting the story and making it feel both incredibly fantastical and comedic, but also incredibly grounded and realistic. And they just, I don't know how they pull off these tones so well, but they just mm. do. And it's incredible. Yeah. Almost like it is just a focus on character, you know, like I don't yeah. think Brennan or a player comes in thinking, okay, I want Fabian to do X, like just to pick a random yeah. example. Like, I don't think Lou and Brennan sit down and they go, we want Fabian to do X. They no. built a, a, an impression of Fabian. Lou probably has ideas for drama and comedy beats around that, but like they're, they'd be, probably be quite general. And again, it's just slotting these ideas they have into slots that they think will be good. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like we, you know, we have sort of been talking about it, but like it, someone who deserves particular attention is just like brendan lee mulligan yeah is so good at what yeah, he's, he's putting doing. Like, in some serious work here like, yeah, like god we, damn he is great we really talked about how how great he's doing with the plot and the characters and managing it all like just his sort of raw dm skills um yeah. in guiding the plot and whatever are, are top notch yes it's um, hardcore stuff but like his his voices like yeah, I, you know, I, I I was just doing another episode of the of the Worm audiobook or the the Ward audiobook, and like I'm so bad at, at doing the voices for characters, and so just like simultaneously struggling without myself, and then watching Brennan Lee Mulligan just nail it, I was just like, well, you can tell why he's in this business. Like he's yeah. all of his stuff was so good, and then um like he's often they often cut to him like because you know because this is a visual thing mm. and he'll be like wiping his brow yeah and it's like it's not just because like of the stage lights or mm-hmm. he's unfit or anything the dude is working he's like full body doing stuff yeah the entire show and these are hour and a half episodes and it's just like he's just 
putting all of himself into it and it really comes across and like he deserves so many props for that yeah it really is exceptionally well made um it's uh, we've been talking about the characters and stuff but there's also it's a visual medium like they have models and figurines and stuff i don't know where they get this but the way that he's able to set these scenes is so captivating like yeah uh, yeah it's it's genuinely i I mean i feel like i'm just saying this so much but it it just baffles (laughs) me how great it is yeah exactly and obviously this is the standard that has now been set for our upcoming uh series in terms of gming i don't think anyone can live up to brendan lee mulligan (laughs) honestly no uh, absolutely like he's far and away the best i've seen or uh, you know um but yeah so to touch on what you just talked about um that was something that blew me away as well the production value for this was so much higher than i expected even though you mentioned it in the prescription yeah no Uh, yeah i mean me too (laughs) like the miniatures and the sets are so cool um and And so detailed and you even get to see the players react to them which is fun as well um there's a particular instance i don't think you've seen yet um which is like watching brennan do something to the miniatures and i was like holy shit and then you hear like all six players be like holy shit yeah (laughs) it's like yeah uh it's it's great um the dome they're in as well so they're in this like kind of inside of a dome um Mm. the play space and it's all well lit and they can change the colors and so as well as like background music that's clearly been added in post yes and um, sound effects and stuff as well yeah yeah like there's there's a bunch of sound stuff which sometimes was maybe a bit too much for me but like overall it improved the ambience Mm. uh but then the lighting of the dome is clearly something brennan is controlling in his little dungeon master thing and like it adds so much that the what a dream color yeah when things get serious um and then yeah like so the the miniature table sets i'm not going to describe it because you should just go watch it um but there's sort of a main set and then um the show follows this kind of format of every second episode being combat yeah uh and each combat episode comes with a whole new uh like set of a setting for yeah, miniatures. Yeah, like a play so, space with miniatures and Yeah, exactly. I mean so, some miniatures that are not very miniature as well for like yeah. giant golems and shit. Yeah, so the like the, the built-in table they have which is already this impressive model yeah. uh has a slot where each combat episode they slot in like the the fight area yeah. and, and yeah. it's this really detailed model and it's it's just so cool. Yeah. Um yeah like yeah yeah i I mean yeah originally like when i sat down to watch this i'm not gonna lie i went to treat it like a podcast i put it on youtube put it at one and a half speed and then wasn't watching it was doing other things yeah and by the end of the second episode i was basically just watching it um I'm, I'm gonna be honest i kept it on one and a half speed uh they're very long oh, that's how you binge through it so quickly. yeah yeah that definitely was a factor um but like i was still i i found myself just having to watch it because the, the miniatures you know there's a level of like the interaction between the players that you get when they're visually like yeah i mean the facial expressions and everything of the characters are that they, they they are living their characters right yeah yeah exactly oh and they're, they're often like interacting with each other physically and like you know it's the stuff you wouldn't do if you're doing an audio version yeah. but then uh, on the other side you can't do if you're doing an audio yes. version. you um, have to do very differently yeah exactly so like i found myself initially i was like oh i just won't watch it like i'm probably not missing anything and then just naturally found myself constantly wanting to look over and then by the end i was just watching (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah look i can't i'm not gonna say it again it's great it's just great yeah 
I suppose if we want to dabble in in criticisms, uh, and this is a criticism I also labelled at, at the Adventure Zone, mm. um, it's this maybe too much combat for me i i get that the combat part of D D is is fun to play mm. um I, I again i haven't done too much of it myself but i can see the appeal as you're playing mm. um as a viewer i don't find it as interesting like as we touched on there's this um you know combat on combat off sort of formula to the series yeah. I was always so much more interested in th- just the pure roleplay ones without combat. Um, uh, I, I, that, it, not, not that the combat ones are empty. First of all, they still have a lot of roleplay in them. Like, they're yes. still great moments. I almost feel like, you know, with all these hour and a half long episodes, like, that's, that's about the average, I think you could cut the combat ones down to 45 minutes, mm. and I think... I would prefer it. Like, in, in fact, I'd say it was probably the second half of the combat episodes that I found myself not paying as much attention. Mm. Um, I think if you did the hour and a half long role play ones and then cut it to forty five minute combats, um, and I get that probably doesn't make sense from a production standpoint because you're putting so much effort into the miniatures. <laughs> yeah. But um, like, yeah, the combat for me maybe was more than I'd like. Um, yeah, I- I'm unsure whether I agree with you or not. I I have always found combat in D and D to be so so boring. Like genuinely, I think it's incredibly boring. But the the fact that each combat in this is so different in terms of the space, there's always like two or three weird beats or gimmicks in each combat encounter. And like they all have genuinely very, very compelling character beats. <laughs> like the characters aren't just fucking min-maxing their combat like most people would do in a combat encounter. It's they're playing their characters and it's it just it just is so again i just love it i just love every part of this show no i I agree that that's something that all the players have done a very good job of is building the abilities like into their characters so it totally makes sense that their character can do x and in fact does do x yeah uh like you know Kristen is this weird uh like she you know she's constantly channeling helio the the god of corn but it's like she's chosen by him and so like the all the interactions around that make sense and then Mm. there's some fun stuff later on as she starts to question that religion and and how that interacts with with all those powers it's it's great like i i guess yeah as well the the thing you mentioned each combat has this really unique spin on it and and i won't just like list them all off but it's kind of like like i think that's why again those first 45 minutes still captivated me because each fight brought something completely new to all the interactions in a very fun way it's never just oh you've come across a group of goblins it's yes yeah exactly this is a very specific scene that brennan has put a lot of effort into the dynamics of the characters in this scene the fucking jokes of like well this is why you're fighting these people and they're tap dancing fucking breakdancing vampires or whatever (laughs) and it's there's always like gimmicks and twists and turns in the combat and things that are gonna like go crazy like yeah 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 wait there's at least one major gimmick i can think of for each of the fights i've seen and that's without even really thinking yeah um so yeah like and i think that's what keeps it fresh again i wouldn't be averse to finding out that the later seasons half to the length of the combat Mm. episodes Mm. but um wait just you know again this is my minor complaint they're still far from bad um I wouldn't shorten them by that much because again, like some of the best comedy moments come out of the randomness of these fights. Yes. Um, 
uh, like the the skate park what skate park one in particular has a few instances like that are just jumping to my mind of <laughs> bits yeah. that just had me cackling as yeah. um someone yeah, tried definitely. some stupid stunt on the field and it works which is incredible or it doesn't work and that's equally incredible yeah there's I, one stunt where fig i've got to talk about this one where yeah. there's a driving com- like one of the first or the second combats is it's like takes place while they're driving and fig gets this idea she's driving the car she gets this idea to do this crazy maneuver and she tries it and fucks it up so bad (laughs) and almost everyone like immediately takes a shit ton of damage and it completely changes the dynamic of the fight midway through because she just fucked up this combat like this driving maneuver and just like wiped out her car completely (laughs) like yeah yeah. yeah, I wait. That's when all the adaptation stuff we talked about is really coming to the fore. Like their ability to make it fun when people fail as much yeah. as when they succeed yeah. is, is a huge, huge testament to how great they are at improving. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <sighs> I could talk about this show forever, Elliot, I think, <laughs> yeah. genuinely. I think I've run out of major points. We haven't to, even talked about like we haven't gone very deep on the characters. There, no. there's so much to talk about in how well each of the characters, they're like their own arcs and how incredibly interesting they are. But I think we should just stop here and and let people experience it themselves. Yeah, I was about to say I've I've run out of all my big picture stuff I need to talk about, and at this point, all I want to do is just get into the specific characters, plot points, and everything. And it's like, but you should just go and experience those for yourself enjoy them yeah totally (laughs) uh you don't need to listen to us talk about it you can just go watch it because it's good stuff yeah and you should um elliot why don't you give us your number for this one oh i'm i'm gonna have to give it a nine like i know that's very high but this is i mean it it deserves it honestly yeah yeah i've just i've i've gotten so into this um and i'm probably gonna finish it within a week yeah yeah definitely i i College Hume has always been something that's set in my mind as like, oh yeah, they're just like some like BuzzFeed style, whatever. They just do stuff. Yeah, I've never really gotten into College Humor stuff. Like, I'll yeah, I'll occasionally one of their videos will go viral or something, and I watch it and I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Fine. like it's got some funny bits in it. But this has escalated to such a high degree that the perception I have of these people because yeah, they absolutely. are so so talented. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I've never been this enraptured by any college humor content. Yeah, it's for just sure. a, like a, it's just like a, a perfect storm of of things that make this show so good. Yeah, I, I agree. <sighs> and I guess on that note, we should we should move on to what's coming up next. Yes, uh, this is a prescription that we have got from a listener, uh, Noah. Um, and I guess here it comes now. Hello, my name is Noah, and I would like to prescribe a story known as Alice Isn't Dead. Now, Alice Isn't Dead is this story about this woman who's trying to find her wife six months after her funeral because she saw her in the background of a news report. Along the way, she encounters different horrifying creatures and uh, beings. The horror podcast gave me similar vibes to the Magnus Archives, uh, both in production quality and just in story because they're both great which is why I'm prescribing it. The podcast itself is from the perspective of an audio diary that Alice, uh, not Alice, the woman is keeping for Alice. Uh, Aside from that, you can find the series on YouTube uh, or on Audible, both under Alice Isn't Dead. Uh, As a prescription, I would like to prescribe you the first season. It's uh, 
10 parts and each episode is 20 minutes. Uh, I hope you end up picking this and I'm sorry for all the stuttering. All right. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking <clears> about <throat> Alice isn't dead. Thanks, Noah. Um, what do you, what do you think about this one, Elliot? What do you, I mean, the, the, uh, the prescription mentioned the Magnus archives, which yeah. is something else that we both have thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good way to get our attention. I think like, um, <laughs> that's just a little seed of, yeah, definitely want to check this out. Yeah, basically saying, yeah, this is a horror podcast and you're talking about the Magnus Archives movie, think of it, so it's to me, a good more of that, like, yeah. yes, please. Um, I still haven't caught up to the Magnus Archives, but... Um, mm. like, I'm, I'm almost I've, finished season four and season five of Magnus has just started airing, so I'm almost there. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right on the right <laughs> yeah, on the line. Right on the cusp. Um, uh, but enough about Magnus Archives, right, let's yes, talk about uh, Alice Isn't Dead. I, uh, I'm, I'm interested uh, in the concept of this, like, I, I don't think I completely grasp it, um so like i you know i don't quite get how this this story of someone trying to find their dead wife um mixes into the horror um but i guess i guess i'll see um but definitely the you know the elevator pitch and the comparison to magnus archives has me interested yeah yeah i i actually think i've heard some of this i'm not sure I feel like I've heard the first episode or two, and I can't really remember okay. where or when, <laughs> but I, I feel like I'm having flashbacks of this. Um, and so I'm excited to dive back into it and see if, firstly, if it's the thing that I think it is. Um, but just, I do remember quite enjoying it. So I think it'll it'll play quite nicely. I don't want to talk about it too much because I think it's the kind of thing where you just want to experience it um, mm. yourself. Yeah, so, and I mean, on, on that note, I guess that's what we should yeah. go and do. Let's go and experience it ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about, as Noah said, probably the first season, if not the first two seasons, depending on how much See we how get we into go. it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back to talk about that in a fortnight. So thanks, Noah, for prescribing that. Um, if you want to leave us your thoughts on Fantasy High, which you should Please go and watch. So good, so good. Um, <laughs> or on Alice Isn't Dead, uh, the best way to do that is by emailing us at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, uh, you can also tweet at us uh, at mediamdpodcast. And uh, you can find us on the Doof Discord. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a perk of, of Patreoning Doof at patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're there a lot and, and it's a great way to sort of get in contact with us and the wider community of Doof, which is just, it's a great place to hang out. Yeah. Lots of great media discussion, all kinds of random discussions going on in there. Um, been... I'd say the full spectrum from like very like analytical, serious discussion to mm -hmm. just stupid memeing. Um, we've kind of got like the full spectrum of good conversation. Yep. Animal Crossing memes that there's a channel for that. Um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Uh, actually speaking of, of media discussion, we are about to start up a new show as well, uh, where we do a monthly game club. Have we talked about this on media yes. MD yet? I don't no, think so. I don't, I don't think we have. Uh, so that's actually coming up, uh, in just over a fortnight. Um, yep. it'll, it'll be the, the day after media and the next episode of media md drops um mm -hmm. we will be talking about uh team cherry's hollow knight as our yeah. first game and kind of metroidvanias in general a little bit yeah. um if you want to find out more details on that you can go to doofmedia.com which is the place you can find all the things we just talked about our email the doof patreon uh, all the other doof shows um as well as all the previous clues for for the media md arg you can help us figure out just who is dr md and who is his father Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Quest. Quest. And we'll see you next fortnight. Bye.